Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is a Mixergy listener who um, our team said, well, his numbers don't exactly hit our minimum uh, for revenue. But when we heard his story, we said, this is a, a freaking interesting story. And then we saw the product. He's a creator of Groundhog. And we said, how did nobody else create this? We believe that Adrian Toby is going places in the world. I consider us lucky to have him on here as a guest to talk about what he's building. So Adrian Toby is the creator of Groundhog. It is a CRM and marketing automation WordPress plugin. Basically what it does is if you know Infusionsoft, it's basically that inside of WordPress. If you know, um, I don't even know if they're calling Infusionsoft anymore. I think they're calling Keeper. ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign. All these things. He's created it inside of WordPress. I think he's made just one mistake with it. And that is he's charging too little. What are you charging? 40 bucks a month? No matter how many email addresses people have? Yeah. But the beauty of doing it inside of WordPress is his tool, his plugin knows if somebody has been on your site after not being on the site for a while. And so you could send them a message. It knows what they're doing on your site. You don't have to tell the software. It, the software is part of the site. And so that that uh, connection makes it really strong. The other thing that I like is, and I don't think most people will understand this, but a few people will and really appreciate it is, you could bring your own email provider, your own SMTP connection. You just plug it in and then he'll send through there. So if you have deliverability issues with your email marketing software, just switch to Amazon's deliver. Don't like Amazon? Great. Postmark does one. Don't like them? Great. Send uh, SendGrid does one. Don't like those? Adrian's built his own. Go get your own from wherever, right? So you get deliverability in your own hands. Anyway, this is the software that we're going to be talking about. And we can do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're trying to create software that excites users, just like I'm excited by this, um, and you need a great developer, go to toptal.com slash Mixergy. They will freaking rock your world. They have the best of the best developers. I hate superlatives like that. We'll get into the details of what they do in a moment. And then second, if you're building a website in WordPress and you want to take advantage of Groundhog and so many other plugins and tools that go along with WordPress, just go host it on HostGator. If you go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy, they'll give you a deal. But again, I'll talk about those sponsors later. First, Adrian, good to have you here. I'm really excited to be here, and I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Your mom suggested that we have you on. She reached out. You guys work together, and you've worked together from an early age. What's what's that first business that you remember your parents doing? And obviously, this is your business. I know it's separate, mm-hmm. but I, I love the family connection here. What's the what's the first business that you saw your parents do? So, so my origin story starts when really when I was in between. 13 and 14 years old, just starting high school, really. Uh, And even possibly earlier than that, uh, my parents for many, many, many years uh, ran a digital marketing training organization called Training Business Pros here in Canada. And and what they would do is they would train entrepreneurs and business owners, small business owners all across the country, how to uh, essentially grow their online digital channel with typical digital marketing strategies that were available back then. This is all pre-Google Panda, which essentially means it was a lot easier to rank on the first page of Google. You got your backlinks, you do your keywords, you know, make sure your keyword is in the title and the URL and the description, you know, four, four or five times the content, minimum content size of a thousand words or whatever. Uh, and it was a fairly simple process to put 30 to 60 people in a conference boardroom at a hotel 
and we would go and my dad would stand on a stage that we would bring with us and essentially go through the process. Everyone would get a workbook uh, and we'd go through the process projector and train these people how to essentially build their digital channel to attract visitors and then turn those visitor leads and then those leads into sales. Uh-huh. Now that obviously didn't last uh, Google Panda came Wait, out. Before we go into why it yeah. didn't last, I'm, I'm looking at the site right now. Your dad's like this, this rock star, first of all, right? He's, <laughs> I don't know what his personality is, but it feels to me like he's somebody who's just, he's got a magnetic personality. Am I right about that? You are, you, you wouldn't be wrong. That's for sure. Um, but I could see you, he's targeting right now with the site, medical professionals, people in finance, people who have marketing agencies. He wants to help them build their, uh, build their audience. Your job was what at the time when you were a kid? My job. So I did pretty much everything in the business besides actually get up and speak. Uh, So we would go to trade shows, which is where we would put bums in seats. That's where we would find people. We'd go to the small business expo or we'd go to the tech conference. And you would sell tickets at the the small business expo? Yeah, we'd sell tickets. I literally carried around order forms and we, we did more business with the people at the booths rather than the people actually visiting and attending the conference. Like that's what we were really there for. As the okay. people who's, you know, were there to get business, like want more business, like do it online, you know, stop coming to these things. But so, you, uh, you wouldn't get kicked out. The conference wouldn't say, hey, look, these people paid to be here. They didn't pay for you to come and solicit door to door. My dad's magnetic personality allowed him to make lots of friends with the organizers with many of these events. Got so, it. And it, this, is such a, this is such a good hustler move that I remember Jamie Siminoff, the founder of Ring. He and I knew each other when we were both living in uh, Southern California. He said he couldn't get enough money in the early days to promote his business. And he did the exact same thing that you did. He would just go to the conference and try to sell people who are coming to the conference. And he did a better job than people who were in the booths. Okay. So that was your, your job. You have a lot of confidence. I've now watched you in preparation for this interview. I've seen you here. We've talked before. Um, I wonder how much of that came from you talking to strangers and saying, come buy a ticket to, to my dad's thing, to my mom's thing. Probably a lot. I remember on one occasion, um, I had a conversation. I was probably maybe 15 at the time. Uh, and I had a conver- I was having a conversation with a fairly uh, established business owner. Uh, and we were selling, essentially, we'd sell like $400 to a starter course where you'd come and you'd like get the, the basics. And then the upsell from that at the back of the room was to get into like the $3,000 three day course, right? We had, a okay. whole, we had a whole, our whole sales funnel planned out. The first day was $300 and you go and you get the basics. And then the upsell for the back of the room was the 3000 three day course for that one. And then the upsell from that one was essentially what we call like, uh, like it was essentially the all access pass. Like you get a whole like five year pass to come to any training you want. Just let us know that you're going to come, come in events for however many thousand dollars. And I remember having this com- conversation with a fairly established business owner. Uh, and I had explained the value so well that they ended up just paying full fare right away. Uh, without any sort of help. And I'm sure they got a kick out of the fact that I was 14 at that time and then may have had something, but they signed their credit card, everything, and it was processed later. Uh, so that was a big win for me at such a young age. And and that's kind of like where the entrepreneurial story started. Did it My help you? Was, oh, yeah, go ahead. Did it help you when you were dating in as a teenager? Did it help you feel? I always thought if I had this training, I would have had a superpower, but instead I was trapped in this need to break out and talk to people, but didn't even know how and what to say. I've, I've never been a big dater. I've had a, I've had a series of long-term relationships is, is, is how I prefer to do 
to do. And did you, were you able to go and talk? I, I don't know if you ever saw I've the Wonder I've never had a problem talking to anybody. Anybody? Uh, no, I've never, I've, if, if there's a conversation that I feel that I can add value to in some sort of way, I will not hesitate to introduce and myself and say, Hey, okay. listen, you know, is there a way that I can add value to your conversation? By the way, I said, your dad was like a rock star on the photo, but he's, he's a jazz star. He won the Juno award, which is a big thing nominated. in Canada. He didn't oh, nominate it. Okay. <laughs> he was nominated. Okay. All right. But Sorry, dad. But <laughs> um, did, be truthful. This is, this is me getting a little personal with your dad, but as someone who, who was on stage as a musician, who's a good musician, was it, it, was it hard for him to sell digital marketing services? Did it feel more like he'd become this, this office-y guy, like the TV show office, when he wanted to be um, a rock star, a musician? It's a personal struggle for him still, Honestly? Like 20 years later to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, he learned how to be an entertainer long after his music career ended. Is, mm. is the truth of the matter. Uh, he did a lot of personal training, a lot of personal speaking, which I in turn absorbed through essentially sitting in the back of the room of literally hundreds of seminars. Um, and he really went through his actual like entertainer presenter personality change after the end of his music career, which happened in 2001 after 9-11. Uh, the, his 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 Rick his uh his career ended on account of 9/11 because Arcadia Records, which is the label that signed him, was next door to the towers uh. when they came down. So that was that was the end of that. And then it was kind of like, well, now what do we do? He has all this original sheet music, decided to sell it online, and that's when the digital marketing is like, well, uh, I can sell it online. I can teach other people how to sell it online, and went to Tony Robbins and, and took a whole bunch of personal training and then took speaker training, trained the trainer, Toastmasters, and, and, and here I, we are. I did that. Did you do any later. of those things? Did you, I, I wanted I a dad who understood that. You did. did. So if you got those Tony Robbins CDs, you would listen to them and actually absorb them and not want to rebel against your dad's worldview? Well, he had to drive me anywhere, everywhere. I'm 23. So I got, so while we were working together, he would drive everywhere. And we had the CDs all in the, we had a, we had a Lincoln with a six CD changer yeah. <laughs> and we just put all load, all six CDs in and he changed one from the next. And what, what, what was I supposed to do except listen? <laughs> you know what? I, I heard Diane Keaton's uh, autobiography and in it, she talks almost in a sad way about how much her dad liked this type of thing but he seemed like a happy person from her description. He seemed like he was getting a lot of benefit from these types of this. He wasn't CDs. I'm sure it was records at the time. And I always wondered why, why she felt, why she felt so put down that he was listening to it. And the only thing I could come up with is that was her dad. This is her rebellion against it. He would listen to Dale Carnegie or, or read Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people and believe in it wholeheartedly. And she had to somehow fight against it, but you didn't have that. You no, were in. I, I, believed that you know i mean the proof the we can believe anything that we want in this life and we can see things and we can say i don't believe that or i do believe that but really at the end of the day the only thing that matters is results yeah and the only thing that i observed from a young age my my family when my dad's music career ended we moved back in with my grandparents uh and we bought a house which was condemned three days later and it was a, it was, you know, from when my memory sort of like concretely begins, it was a rough start. 
So yeah. the only thing that I can, you know, attribute to the fact that we live in Toronto, well, I live, I live on my own at this point, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully, but my parents live in a nice house and have nice things and can afford to do lovely experiences. And the thing that I attribute that to is those CDs in that personal training. And th- that's really the only thing. So if it worked, it must work. Like there's right. the, the results count. <laughs> You transitioned as a family or your parents transitioned from teaching this to creating an agency. I wonder why. Panda. What what do you mean? What happened? Google Panda was the end of old school Google search algorithm. And after Panda, the digital marketing landscape changed forever because it became so much more complex for small businesses and entrepreneurs who wear many hats in their organization already to take on the hat of digital marketing and then do all of this work themselves, you know, the backlinks and the keywords and, and making sure that the user experience is good and the load times and all of these things. It became much, too much software, too much hassle, too much training that we couldn't get uh, an excellent result for small businesses in the three days of our digital marketing program that we allotted. And it was just no longer feasible for the small business to, to do it themselves. And then with the, with the introduction of things like Infusionsoft and Active Campaign into the mix, it just it was like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to give or have enough time to train these people the information for the right amount of money uh, to get a reasonable result within the expectation of time to, to warrant the cost. It just it didn't make sense. So out of, out of the, I won't say ashes because they still train people to this day. It's just at a much higher level. Um, out of that sprung a done-for-you digital marketing agency in the five figures per project kind of region to essentially offer full service. You give us a business and we'll give you back a new one, essentially type of deal. Okay. And then you somehow created your own WordPress product, Lyft. Mm-hmm. What was so, Lyft? So it's FormLyft. Um, oh, FormLyft, excuse me. FormLyft, no worries. Uh, that started out of necessity to scratch my own itch as all things do. Um, we used Infusionsoft, which is like the OG now Infusionsoft now keep the OG small business CRM and marketing automation tool that really kind of brought us the drag and drop canvas of creating automation to create customer journeys and user experience. Let me just pause. So this was a thing that I think many people understand how revolutionary Infusionsoft was, but if you don't, it, I just want you to understand that the cool thing with Infusionsoft was you could say, if somebody clicked on this tag, send them that message. And if they didn't send them a different message and based on that kind of, if then they created this visual editor that you could design a user experience, even if you weren't a digital marketer who obsessed about the stuff, because you could see the you could see the decision tree right there on your screen, right? And that was the amazing thing that they did versus Aweber before that was just add people to a list, send them all the same thing. It was great. And and it's still great. Like it's still like keep it still great software and it does amazing things and businesses are using it. I don't, I don't agree. I I don't agree (laughs) because I don't agree because first of all, their pricing is kind of whacked out. If you talk to the person, it used to be, that's for sure. They definitely change it in some ways. I feel like they've been humbled in other ways. They've gotten more arrogant, but it's, uh, um, it's the problem that I think they have, I have with them is that it's, 
it's very much uh, what can we do? Let's just sell, sell. They, they, their attitude is better for enterprise than it is for the SMBs that they were courting. And then it's less dependable. Um, At the time, though, it was revolutionary. At yes. the time that, that I was right. using it, it was, it was like, holy shit, this is something that we can do now. Right. We can create these amazing customer journeys and experiences that literally no one else is offering. And if you can create a better and, and, and more convenient and efficient customer experience, you win. Like that was the name of the game. So we were doing this. The only, one of the big problems of this though was the entry point to all customer communiques within Infusionsoft, which is the web form, which is give me your email address and I can send you an email. The problem with Infusionsoft's way of doing that was that their web form module looked like straight out of before the internet was even created. It just looked bad. It wasn't responsive. Right. And, you know, you could, it was very clunky and you couldn't edit. And it was just, there's still so much wrong with it. It hasn't changed at all from when I created Formula three years ago, which, which is baffling to me. So, though, though I have to say, even three years ago, if you were using a different form, if you were using something like ClickFunnels, you could connect it, couldn't you? You could, but again, who wants, to, if you're already spending, $300, $400 a month on Infusionsoft, why do you want to go spend $300 a month on ClickFunnels to just solve that one problem? When the salesperson sold you on the fact that you could get email and forms and front to end, it would be all done for you. Okay, I got it. All right. So then you saw this as an opportunity. You said, there's things, there thing, I'm going to say the word stinks. You could do something better. By the way, I'm not, I don't mean to rag on them. I'm a customer of theirs. I've been a customer of theirs for a long time. I think they're really decent people, but I also think they've got some hard edges to their personalities and to their software. And they're probably not made for the SMB world, but enterprise for sure, they should be in that world completely. And at least to give you a sense of how confusing it is, people call them confusion soft. Now they call themselves keep, but just to add an extra level of complexity, they call themselves keep with K E A P spelling. Like, they, they, there's nothing here that is logical or makes sense, which is it's just disappointing from a company that's supposed to bring order to a communication platform. All these my words, you're competing with them and you're being a lot nicer than I am. Uh, and I'm a customer of theirs. There, that, I'm, I'm going to back I'm not, away from I, them. I, 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 as much as I'd love to, to weigh in on the, on the conversation, I do have to be very careful with what I Okay, say. I get it. So you said, <laughs> I'm going to create a form that's going to make it easier for people to get uh, email addresses and other relevant data into Infusionsoft. Is that what um That's where I was? started in my software development and software company journey. Uh, my dad came over to my desk and I'm like, Adrian, I, I was going to computer science. I was taking comp sci university, university of Toronto at this point in time. So he walks over to my desk, which used to be on that side of the room. And he says, Adrian, I need you to freaking solve this problem for me. Like the, these forms are terrible. Like fix for his it. clients, Just you mean for his clients, right? And you're a student learning this stuff. So why yeah. shouldn't you be able to do it? Why shouldn't I? So Got I'm it. like, okay whatever. So I, I, you know, I go home and I, I, I do some, I do some like super, like, you know, put my coder sunglasses on and put my gloves on and I'm like chomping away at the keyboard. And three days later, uh, I have like half, you know, half a page of code that, that does something that's <laughs> really bad. And, uh, we, we put it on a web page and guess what? It kind of works. And, but that, and that was like the start of it. Right. And then, we started using that for our clients and then, you know, before you go into that, why didn't your dad just get a gravity form uh, subscription? It's like a hundred, 200 bucks. You're done. Well, the gravity form integration for Infusionsoft didn't exist at that point in time yet. Okay. 
So there wasn't, there wasn't anything like okay. literally like there was, there was nothing that worked except for maybe thrive, the, the thrive themes, uh, thrive leads forms, but that only supported first name, last name and email address. There was nothing for like the full fledged web Got form it. out there at the, at that point in time. How there are you was, connecting your form to theirs? So uh, Infusionsoft provides unstyled HTML form code that you can use to just stick on your website. But there's no one not knows an a- how a- to API. Code. You're just using their form. Yeah, no. So there's an API. There's an API endpoint that they provide to just download that HTML code. So what Formlift does at the most basic level is we go grab that unstyled code, we parse it, and we build it into blocks and stuff, and then we add our own styling to that and just slap it on a WordPress page and call it a day. But it would, that is a much more friendly process, if you can believe it, than what they were providing before. So people were like, wow, you know, this is revolutionary for me. And you basically, the, the old process of, of using or creating a good looking Infusionsoft web form was getting the HTML, unstyled HTML code, faffing about for 45 minutes, trying to figure out how to style at CSS, realize that you couldn't style CSS, go to Upwork, hire someone for like $30 to do the CSS, uh, and then paste that on your WordPress website. And then when you want to change something, realize that you couldn't have to go back to that same developer, pay another $30, and then go through that process every time you want to uh, want to change something. With Formlift, what you do is you install this WordPress plugin on your site, uh, you connect it up to Infusionsoft with your API key, uh, and then you have access to all of your web forms with a dropdown. You select which one you want, you click import, and then we will take that, we will parse it, we will style it, we give you all of these extra little functionalities like turning fields on and off or hiding fields or auto-filling them with information that makes that really easy. Uh, and now you have a web form in a few minutes rather than possibly a few days, which was the typical way of, of doing something like that. Okay, you did it for him, you did it for his clients, or he used it for his clients. Um, did you, how'd you end up doing in school? I, I, I left. I, uh, <laughs> okay. In, so I was in my third year, but I switched to part-time to do agency work and, and work on Formlift full-time. The, what happened and with Formlift? You, one of the problems that you around. told... I see it. I'm on there. I'm on the page. But you told our producers one of the problems was you charged a one-time fee for it, right? Yeah. So I experimented with four or five different pricing models for that for that stuff. So my first, the first iteration, the one that was super janky and did very, very, very little in ways of actual functionality, I sold for like twenty-seven dollars one time to a bunch of people. Um, and then. It got a little bit more serious. I, I, I invested a lot more time in development and, and features and, and usability and making it like a real WordPress plugin. Um, and then I sold that for like $99 one time. And then I went and I got easy digital downloads, which kind of opened me up to the way that real WordPress companies do business, WordPress plugin companies do business. Uh, which is the freemium model, which is very popular, and then having your paid add-ons. Um, that is the way that the vast majority of WordPress plugins these days operate. And I think it is still a very good method for WordPress plugin companies to grow. Uh, there are lots of other business models now, though, like just having like the, the one premium version and, and obviously just not having freemium at all and just going full premium. 
Um, but that was my first light. I'm like, easy digital downloads looks like they're killing it. So I'm just going to copy them. I'm going to just do exactly what they're doing because how? why do I know better, right? So I'm just going to do what they do. So I separate Formlift. I create a free version. I throw it up on WordPress.org. I then create a bunch of premium add-ons that add stuff like file uploading or signatures or kind of just like stuff that people ask for from me sometimes. I just created uh, various different add-ons. And then I create a product called the All Access Pass. And I would sell access to this suite of tools for something like $29 a month. Was 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 my original price? I think. Okay, I don't and remember, but that worked. Like that's that 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 worked, and people started buying extensions and started buying these all access passes. And I then invested more time in Formlift and creating these things and answering tickets and emails and 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 talking to other Infusionsoft partners about you know getting deals and having them use Formlift for their for their clients. And then I flunked out of my first course uh, ever. In the history of my entire life, I got a 48% in CSC 265 because I spent more time working on Formlift in the library than I did studying on material that I really should have been studying. And that that year was the year I'm like, well, you know, am I am I going to continue to spend something like eight thousand Canadian dollars a semester? Uh, on my on this computer science degree that I probably won't need because I'm like bred entrepreneur. I I honestly think that I'm not I'm not hireable because I just I'm also like a controller personality type. If you ever do like the quadrant exercise, and I I just require a, li- a little bit more investment in everything that I do. So I'm like, am I going to need this degree? Right? Is it worth it to spend all of this money and accrue this debt? And to spend this amount of time when I could be doing other things like building Formlift or maybe something else. Uh, and that's what like, I'm out of here. Have a good Your one. Your parents give you a hard time about that? No, they're like, go for it. My, my, <laughs> my, my mom was the one who wanted me to go to university. My dad didn't care. My dad has never had to show, him, show his university degree to anyone in his entire life. Uh, so he's like, if you don't want to go, when I was deciding whether I wanted to go, uh, after I graduated high school, it's like, if you don't want to go, I'm not going to make you go. But my mom was like, you have to go. So I went. And, uh, but when I was like, hey guys, listen, you know, this is not something that I need. I, I feel like I got my university experience. I joined a fraternity and I had a great time there. I was on the board and everything. And, and uh, I had a lot of fun. We had some, we had some great parties and I learned a lot about working within a board context, which is much more difficult than some people realize. Uh, even just at the small university level where there's, the stakes are very low, and, uh, I had, so I had my opportunity, I had my experience and then I'm just like, you know what I can do be, I could be doing better things with my time. All right. Let me take a moment, talk about my first sponsor. And then I want to come back in and see what, what happened here at this business and then how you ended up uh, not pivoting, starting another one. Um, you mentioned hiring a developer. One of the things that I love about TopTal is the caliber of developers that they have there. So uh, since we're talking about WordPress, I said, what if Adrian needed to hire a WordPress developer? Let's just see. I just typed in WordPress into TopTal. Let me tell you about the first person, the very per- first person who came up. His name is Brett Porcelli, or maybe it's Porcelli. I don't know. Brett has nine years web development experience with the pa- in the past six years spent uh, spent his uh, 
with the past six years spent honing his skills with WordPress plugins and themes. He's an expert in WooCommerce and is the author of Simple Sales Tax Plugin, a popular sales tax compliance solution for WooCommerce. And then it goes on to explain who he is. This is the caliber of person we're talking about. People who built real plugins, started real agencies, have real product experience, and they're available for hire at TopTal. And if I scroll down and see where is he in the world, he happens to be on the East Coast. It looks like he's somewhere around New York, Massachusetts area. The reason I'm bringing this up is, Adrian, when people think about how do I, where do I hire? They think of one or two things. Either they say, I'm going to invest a whole lot of time and go through this whole hiring process. And it's going to be this big dramatic thing for our company. Or they go, I'm just going to go to these cheapo freelance sites and I'm going to hire someone who's inexpensive. The reason they want the, the, big drawn out process is because they want someone who's great, who they could count on. The reason they want the cheap freelance process is because they want someone quick. It doesn't have to be either or. There's a new way and that is top tal. They have a top of the line developers, people who take pride in their work, who have spectacular reputations, who've done the work that you, Adrian, are looking to hire for or whoever is listening to us right now is looking to hire for. They've done the work and they're ready to do it for you. All you have to do is not even hire, just go to top tal.com slash Mixergy and start a conversation with one of their people. They'll tell you if they got the person you're looking for. They'll get you on a call with them. If you decide to hire, great. If not, walk away. You've lost nothing. But I believe you're going to be impressed with the caliber of people that they bring to you, Adrian. And if you use my URL, I get credit, which means thank you. But it also means you get 80 hours of developer credit when you pay for your first 80 hours in addition to a no-risk trial period. So they make it incredibly advantageous for you, Adrian, to sign up and for everyone else to sign up and go hire from Top Tal. That's top is in top of your head. Tal is in talent. T-O-P-T-A-L dot com slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. TopTal.com slash Mixergy. I'm sold. You should call them. <laughs> I'm not screwing around. I'm telling you, people who I've interviewed end up hiring. What's up? I've worked with them in the past. You have? Yes. I was wondering who built the site. So the the first version (laughs) of Formlift was you. Yeah. All all Formlift was you from beginning to end. Yeah. Still is. Okay. Why did you decide to move on? What was the challenge that got you to say, I think I'm ready to start something different? The reality with Formlift is that it's a very niche product. Infusionsoft has only so many people, uh, users in the world. And as you've mentioned, they have also had some turbulence in terms of image, in terms of public perception, in terms of retention, um, that, you know, I would get cancellations from Formlift because people stopped using Infusionsoft. Now, I, as a business owner, don't really want to put my livelihood, my revenue, and, and, and my income in the hands of something that I have absolutely no control over. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's some of the problem that Facebook-based businesses have and, and people who create apps for Facebook is they're essentially putting their, their lives and their product and, and their own perception in the hands of somebody else. And uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the CDs that my dad used to listen to or a book that he read and something that I have absorbed over time because he told me, it's, you know, if you're going to own the business, own the customer. And with Formlift, I didn't own the customer. If they left Infusionsoft, they weren't my customer anymore. They were still Infusionsoft anymore. Formlift is what I would call a utility product, easily disposable, right? Nothing that they build their business around like Infusionsoft, which is what I call a platform product, something that is very much integrated into the core of their business. And is something that is deemed essential unless they're like super fed up and they have to leave and switch to HubSpot or ActiveCampaign or something else. So 
The and then on top of that, there's only so many FusionSoft customers, only so many people use WordPress, only so many of those people need formwork. So like you get you know 30% of 30% of 30% of 30%, and you end up with yeah. a very small sample size of possible customers. Formlift in this best year did 30 grand US USD. Um, and last year it made a little bit less than that. It, it's gone down since in, in, in usability since then, which I don't know if it's something that's relevant to how Formlift is perceived or something that Infusionsoft is perceived. So then it's like, okay, well, what do we do then? If we're going to build a software company and we're going to build a product that's going to help a lot of people, then what is it that we're going to do? And we analyzed and we analyzed and I thought and I thought and, you know, I looked at what we had the most problems with in our agency, right? We did, we did agency work day in, day out and we identified a lot of the pain points. And then at the end of the day, we're like, well, why don't we just build a CRM and marketing automation platform that just plugs into WordPress and just solve all of our problems overnight? If only I knew it wouldn't be overnight. <laughs> it seems like a pretty hairy proposition. First thing I notice is, when it comes to email marketing software, there are tons of them. I've interviewed loads of them and they all seem to, not all, but there's a there's a big enough market that many can do well. Constant Contact and MailChimp and whatever it is that Noah Kagan came up with, I forget what that is, and ConvertKit and Infusionsoft and all these can just survive. And then there's a new entrant who can still do well. Right. Well, there's 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 always new businesses, right? Like people start businesses every single day. As long as there's new businesses, there's opportunity for for business to business tools to disrupt and and grow. So the thing that I that stands out for me though is how difficult isn't it difficult to keep track of to to do marketing automation where you're trying to add essentially you're recreating Infusionsoft. Is it difficult? Yes, <laughs> very. Um, the, I, I think back to some of the software and some of the products that we built from, from day one. And I built the entire, I built the, the MVP, the first version of Groundhog, if you will, by myself in two months uh, and then released it. And I'm like, what do you guys think? And, 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 and sent it to people. And I'm like, install this and use it and, and send me feedback. Uh, and I got mixed responses. You know, it worked. You told our producer it was janky. What it was, was it? It was janky. What did it do and what was janky about it? It worked. The UI was acceptable. The user experience was subpar, but it got the job. It, it did really what it said it was supposed to do. It's just, it wasn't what I would call a refined experience. And I look at some of like the backend stuff, you know, the, the code that people don't see normally. Uh, although Groundhog is an open source product. So if you did want to go look, feel free. Um, but if you look at the backend code of, of some of those earlier versions, I just kind of like, what was I thinking? Um, it is a much more refined and robust product today than it, than it was originally. And, and that's good. I think. <laughs> what was it supposed to do? Was it going to tag people, get their tags in your database? Was it going to send email? It was. Yeah. So marketing automation. So having, having the automation or those funnels or the customer journeys or whatever word you really want to use in the, in the actual platform, we just use the word funnels because a lot of people understand the concept of what those are now, uh, even if it is totally overused, which I think it is, but you know, just, just use what people know. Um, so basically, you know, if something happens, do a sequence of things until another thing happens, do a sequence of things until another yeah. thing happens. Like that's what it does. Uh, you can send up broadcast emails. You can have your custom fields. You can have your... Uh, your sales pipeline, you can have a booking calendar, 
basically pretty much anything that you would expect to get from uh, Infusionsoft Active Campaign or HubSpot, you should be able to get in some form from our, our WordPress plugin just installed to the WordPress website. Integration was the big the big one though. Like the, the, the problem with the software as a service platforms, the cloud hosted ones, the ones that you're paying monstrous amounts of money per month for is the fact or one of the problems is that you can't easily integrate it with WordPress, which pretty much all of us are using to build our websites. Like, you know. Why Why not? What's the problem that they have for integration with WordPress? It, well, the path to integration is not clear. In many cases, it requires some sort of, you know, obscure third-party add-on to do that does a whole bunch of things, but you only really need it for like one simple thing. Uh, um, David Bullock is a friend of mine. He, he is the developer behind Memberium. He's a great guy, but essentially you need to go buy Memberium, which is not an inexpensive product just to be able to do like payment dunning on WordPress from Infusionsoft. But it's a really just a to do what? membership uh, payment dunning. Like uh, if someone payments. hasn't paid you, got it. Yeah. Fa- pay- got it. And, and so what you're saying is, in, yeah, Infusionsoft doesn't have that one bit of code that you can put on every page on your site that would allow Infusionsoft to know what people have done, to know whether they've clicked over from an ad and therefore trigger an email, right? Yeah, and and that, that Formlift did that. Like that, that was one of Formlift's capabilities and something that I just stuck into there just to be like, you know, to make our agency lives easier to get that information so we could do cool things. And so you, in order to have email that understood what people were doing once they were on the page so that you could respond with more email based on what they did on the page, you felt you had to create the whole email experience from the ground up to make it easy for the web and email integrations to just be, uh, for them to just be one. I get it. Why build it within WordPress? Why say I'm going to deal with everything that comes along with WordPress, their design comes along with WordPress. The, uh, the fact that you're going to miss out on square pay- space people comes along with the WordPress with WordPress. Um, the fact that you, that you have to give me the code that you wrote I mean it's because you're on WordPress and they require that, right? That anyone can go and see it. Why build it inside of WordPress instead of saying, you know what, I'm just going to put it on groundhog.io. And if anyone wants to use it, they could use it there and I'll give them a plugin that will, uh, will send me data. It's what I knew. I am not, you know, I didn't finish computer science. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't go get my degree. I knew, I still know very little about software development and the, and, and the massive investment that it takes to go build a cloud-based software company. It's, it's ridiculous the, the things that you need to know. And that's just not, that's just not my skill set. But I, didn't, I also didn't have the money to go out and spend a bunch of money to, uh, for, for people from TopCal to mm-hmm. go build something that I was just going to be the visionary of. So it came down to, all right, well, what is, my, what is my skill set? What do I know? What products can I provide that's going to add value to the marketplace and add value to people's lives? And I'm like, well, I built a WordPress plugin. I'm just going to build another one of those because that's what I know how to do. Got it. And then the, the advantage for the user is... And I like how honest you are, but the advantage also for the user is they're in WordPress anyway. That's where they're typing yeah. out the blog post or copying and pasting it in. Why shouldn't it be the same place where they go to send out email? Just copy and paste it in there too. And also, I mean, like WordPress is 35% of the internet now, the top 10 million sites predicted to be 50% by 2025, which is like ridiculous. So, I mean, and it's not, it's not like I'm cutting myself short on potential okay. business, right? It's like, there's, 
there's plenty of WordPress websites out there that I'll be able to to interact with. All right. I'm not I'm not cutting myself short on. Why didn't you business. do this? Why don't you do the freemium model that you mentioned earlier? Offer Groundhog for free, and then have an upside for anyone who wanted to do something else. Oh, uh, this is something I'm gonna. I'm so so. This is also something that I'm happy I did, and that I regret I did. Uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. I made big mistakes in terms of pricing and positioning in, in my first year, which would be like from August, October of 2018 to October of 2019. And that year, I made many, many, many mistakes about positioning and pricing. Um, you, you mentioned at the beginning of these calls, like you're, doing, you're way too inexpensive, you're like $40 a month. Can you believe that I sold it for much less than that <laughs> uh, in my first year? And the reason I thought I, I did that because I, I started out with the freemium model, again, because that's what I knew. I knew how to do freemium. I did it with Formlift. I see EDD do it. I see WooCommerce do it. So I'm like, if they're doing it, it must work, right? I'm not going to argue with a proven business model. So that's what I did. But I did it wrong. I stuffed the free version with way too much value. Uh-huh. And I made, it, I, I made it basically so that they didn't ever need to buy anything if they didn't want to, which is a problem. So I stuffed the free version with way too much value because I wanted to essentially just have people say, that is so amazing. I'm going to share it with everyone that I know and then kind of just achieve mass adoption. And then, you know, once we reach critical mass, achieve profitability. The problem with that strategy is guess what? I didn't get a $5 million check from a venture capitalist. So guess what? I don't have money, which means that I need to make money in order to reinvest into the product and to, to keep the lights on and keep the server going and keep the website up and pay the hosting bill. Like those are, those are just realities of business. If you don't have a $5 million VC check, I bootstrapped this business from zero. So for an entire year, I just saw so much value into that free version and my pro version, which I sold with basically everything in it. So all of the extensions that we offered, all of the premium value, the premiums for everything, I sold for $199 for a year, which comes out to less than $20 a month um, for, for a single site. And then the only differentiating value between the higher packages was the number of sites that you could install it on. So one site was like a $199, five sites was $299, 10, 25 sites was like $399 or whatever. And it was just, I was just stuffing so much value into these plans, which, you know, on the surface sounds great. But the problem with that, and this is knowledge that I received from a number of mentors that I'm grateful to have in my life. Chris Badgett, Lifter LMS, got me mm-hmm. into Cabopress, which is hosted by Chris Lemma, who's a, who's a big WordPress WooCommerce guy. Uh, and I shared with him my problem and everyone else at Cabopress, my problems, like, why is no one buying this? And why, is, why am I not making money? And every single one of them said, in unison, it's too cheap. It's not expensive enough. Charge more. And I'm like, why? You know, but there's so much value. Like, why are people buying? Businesses and consumers have an expectation of how much they should pay to solve a problem that costs so much money. Yeah. And the fact that I was priced with so much value at such a low price point actually priced me too low out of the conversation, not too high, but too low, that they would look at it and they'd say, yeah, right. It's too good to be true. There's no way that you can promise that much about that amount of price. If it, if it actually did what you said it would, it would cost 
X amount of dollars. I was, when I saw it, I didn't think that. I would think um, it means I have a lot of DIY to do on this. That this is great, but essentially what I'm getting is a GitHub repo and go figure it out. When in reality, it's a plugin. I can make it work. Um, the only thing that I might need to bring with me is the SMTP connection so that you send out email. And I think you even include that now. But even, yeah. So like a lot of, a lot of the setup of Groundhog is automated now. And, and it's really kind of like a, a very seamless onboarding experience in, in, in many cases, unless you want to do like some crazy custom stuff, which fine, we'll help you with that. And we have like premium support. Like we have like people on, on call ready to, to get you answers and to get you help. And so people look at that pricing, they're like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get the same level of service, the same level of functionality of product. If I'm paying active campaign $400 a month, like I, I won't be able to get it for, you know, $200 a year. It's just, it's just not, not possible. So we priced ourselves out of the conversation in that way. Or like you said, people were just like, well, if, if it costs that low, there's, 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 what's the catch. Right. Right. What am I, okay. what, what, what am I going to have to reinvest in to actually get to work? Or what's going to be my additional expense when there, oh. when there really isn't. Any. So I got back from Cabo press uh, from that event and overnight I, I couldn't wait. Like I just opened up an Excel sheet and I just started punching in numbers that looked right to me. Uh -huh. uh, I went to, I talked to a guy also, Devin Walker, who is the CEO of GiveWP, which is like the de facto donation form for WordPress. Uh, and he suggested when I shared with him this problem, it's like, just go to our pricing page and copy it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. okay. So I went home and I went to his pricing page and God bless Devin. I copied it. I copied the numbers. You go, if you go to his pricing page and you go to ours, you'll notice that there's a, there's a, there's a, what's his site. I want to get a sense of it. Uh, give wp.com. Great give guy WP. probably to have on the show. Um, he's excellent and very helpful uh, and very kind and very, very honest and, and generous with his, with his, with his knowledge and his, with his experience. Um, so I went to his and I'm like, that looks good. So I sent an email out to my list. I had probably only like three or 400 people on the list at that point in time. I'm like, that many users. I have much more now, which I'm again grateful for. Uh, and I'm like, hey, listen, everyone, uh, I'm going to be changing the pricing in 30 days from now. This was this what this is what the new pricing is going to look like. It's it's basic plus pro 20, 30, 40, and we're going to basically make the all access pass, which we're selling for who two hundred dollars uh, a year now, and we're going to make that four hundred eighty dollars come November first, uh, which was the date. And I said, if you want to lock in at the current pricing. And you want to keep that pricing for the rest of however long you're going to use Groundhog, you can go and buy the plan that you want now and we'll grandfather you for the rest of eternity. Uh, I'm, I believe in the grandfathering model and yeah. that our OG customers shouldn't necessarily be penalized for when you make poor business decisions. <laughs> so I Plus, said, yeah. and also in a bid to raise money uh, as well, because we're heading into the slow season, which is December when people are much more focused on getting Christmas presents and we work with the solopreneur market on, on mass. So their, their income is directly tied to the Christmas presents that they need to send out. So the slow season for us is December. So in order to bid, in a bid to raise money for that particular season, we're like, go, go invest and go buy. And, and we made a, a ton of money for the first time ever. We broke, we broke five digits, which is like a big deal for me because we hadn't done that before. Uh, and I see and that probably seems like small potatoes to a lot of people, but you know, like a year in and having like struggled so much, that was like a big win. I went and bought myself a nice 
big bottle of scotch and and an expensive bottle of scotch and i really enjoyed it and i had a i had a i had a hundred dollar cigar and that was the first experience for me as well <laughs> just had a great time um and we switched the pricing over and we've stuck with that pricing ever since because it just works now and i haven't received a a text or we have we have live chat I, I remember receiving this question at least once a day. What's the catch? Or it's mm. too good to be true. You know, what, what's the deal? I, I, and I haven't received that since changing the pricing. We, we, we increased the pricing. We, we pared down the value and we made it consistent with the, we, we made the perceived value consistent with the actual value. And we still provide a, a ton of value at a very low, low price point compared to our competitors, software service competitors. But now it's much more reasonable and people are much more accepting and they see it now as a viable option to solve their very expensive problem. But essentially, it's still low. It's $40 a month. I know the agency is 80 but $40 a month compared to on your own site. For the lowest active campaign price, it's $159. And you don't scale up based on use. Like if I have a million subscribers, I don't have to pay you anymore. Am I right? You do not. That is the, the only- beauty of self-hosting because I'm hosting it myself. The only thing I pay extra for is um, extra plugin features. Like, isn't there one for this if then thing that I was mentioning earlier? That's a plugin that I think is like a hundred bucks. There it is. Conditional logic. I think it's like $99 a year. If I want to accept payments using your plugin, that's another one. If I want to use your SMTP to send out an email, that's another, that's another price. So I could, it's still cheap even with all that, but at its core, if I want to do nothing but email, I pay you 40 bucks a month and I bring my own SMTP or you for a hundred bucks a year, give me SMTP, which sends it out, right? Pretty much. That, that about sums it up. That's super cheap. All right. Um, I still think you have room to charge more. I don't think people make the distinction but what between you hosting it on your site, the way that say Active Campaign does or Infusionsoft and them hosting it on their WordPress site. But I think they do. You There's, think they do? I, I, you know, I, I'm going to rephrase that. I know they do. There is a cap. I, I believe that there is a cap. And maybe there is room to grow within that cap, but there is a cap of which you can reasonably charge for what is a self-hosted WordPress plugin. Now there, I don't there, think people know what the hell self-hosted is. The agencies of which we work with mostly do. Got they're it. Very, okay, I get that. very in tune. Our, our, neat, our uh, ideal customer is the agency. Like that's who we make the most money with. That's who uh, requires the least amount of support. They're, they they help in the group, people solve problems. Like if all of my customers with agencies, I'd be a very, very happy man. And we do a lot of our marketing and, and focus okay. on the agency market specifically. Imagine, imagine And they're this. very aware of- Imagine um, this, Adrian. I'm gonna talk about my second sponsor, which is HostGator for hosting WordPress sites and other sites. But imagine this, imagine someone's in the audience who goes, you know what, freaking A. I see how much active campaign. I love active campaign. They're the one that I do love. So I shouldn't be picking on them. But imagine they said everybody else for email marketing is charging a hundred bucks a month minimum. It goes up from there. I'm just going to create a service where I hook people up with say 60 bucks a month, a hundred dollar a month email marketing services and all. No, that's, there's not enough budget for them. Right. Basically what I'm trying to say is can somebody create the hosted version of your software, the hosted groundhog. People are. We can talk they about are. that. Yeah. So wait, there's a whole market now. So somebody can just say, I'm going to create the hosted version of this. And, and what would that look like? 
It's called a it's called a WAS. Uh, WordPress is a service. A guy named Michael Short, who's also a friend of mine and a mentor, uh, is really popularizing that that concept within the WordPress community. And basically, what you do is you spin up something called the WordPress multi-site, and you can install whatever plugins you want on it, and then deliver that and charge for it essentially as a service to whoever signs up. And they don't necessarily know that they're using WordPress or they're using Groundhog because you can white label everything these days. Right. So people are doing that. It, that's right. a, that's and, a and maybe at first exists. it becomes a service, but the margins are not huge on this thing, right? No. But you can imagine them eventually automating the setup and then they have a competitor in the email market. All right, guys, if you're out there and you have that idea or any other idea and you want to bring it to life, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Just like that. Actually, it's not like that. Matt. For about, the, about as long as it takes me to do this ad, maybe even less time than that, you'll be up and running with a WordPress site from HostGator. It'll be inexpensive. We're talking just a few bucks a month. And it's one that you can count on being there and you could play around with it. And if you like the idea of turning it into this agency where you're reselling Groundhog, great. If you decide that you want to list it as an agency that's reselling any of the software that the other people have interviewed, great. If you decide that you just want to list it and play around with it and then dispose of it, also great. Mixergy was supposed to be a site that I was disposed of but I just explored and I liked it and I kept it and I grew it. The thing about HostGator is it's so inexpensive. I think they even charge less than many of the note-taking apps that I pay that I pay for. That's how little it is. So instead of trying a note app and you keep it on your own computer, do it publicly or do it in a way that's that could be turned public. Play around with WordPress and then take it up online. This is a great thing for you to do around the new year. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you use that URL, you'll get the lowest price they have available. They're already low prices, but you'll get an even lower price. And frankly, you're not going to do it to save a few bucks. Um, you're going to do it because you give me credit and I appreciate you for doing it. So I always stand behind anyone who uses the Hostgator.com slash Mixergy URL to sign up for them. Um, all right. The first customers you got by going back to your parents' agency where you were working as a kid and saying, hey, look, I've got this thing. Some of them signed up. Super. You then went to Facebook. You bought retargeting ads. Those are supposed to be the best ads, right? Somebody comes to your site. You know they know you. You buy an ad. You bring them back to close the sale. How well did it do for you? (laughs) Not great. Uh Zero. We spent. We spent. No, not a single customer. Not a single one. No. I was. I it was. It was awful. I am not. I'm. I considered myself to be a good marketer. I can write good copy. I send great email. Um, Pay per click advertising is not one of my strong suits. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm a great marketer. I'll be. I'll go do this and I'll freaking kill it. And I spent all of this money that I really didn't have to spend on advertising, and it just absolutely like bombed and I let it run way too long, much longer than I should have let it run. And it was just like the I I was lulled into a false sense of security because one of the posts that I put out that I was running was getting lots of engagement, lots of like likes and, and comments, but no sales. And then I was lulled in this false sense of security. I was like, it's working, this is getting engagement. Fact of the matter is likes and comments don't pay bills. Um so I, I had to turn it off eventually and just say, all right, well, we got to do this a different way. How much money do you lose on it? $3,000. Okay. All right. Painful when you're starting. Decent though. Okay. Painful when you're in month three. Ooh, yeah. Painful, painful, painful when you're, you're playing with money that you don't really have to play with. I was very fortunate that my grandfather, uh, Arthur Toby, uh, who turned 85 this year, bless him. 
uh, is very smart with money and made very, very prudent financial decisions throughout his life. Even just being, he's a United Church minister, a United Church minister, and he had been for 50 years. Uh, but he made very prudent financial decisions and trades stocks at 85 on BlackBerry, which okay. is totally beyond my realm of comprehension and, you know, go him. Uh, he, he gave me, he gave me fam, the family and friends loan at a, a nice 10% royalty and a steep 5% interest rate. Did he really charge <laughs> you interest? As I said, prudent financial decisions. He um, should have, uh, he should have taken a, a piece of the business. Okay. Prudent, prudent financial decisions, my grandfather, but I love him and he's great. And I'm very fortunate that, that he, he lent me that money. Um, and that's what I was using to spend in order to do this full time because I stopped working with the agency to, to, to pursue this. And I'm like, shit, you know, I just wasted all this money. We got to go find some customers now. <laughs> and that's when, that's when I actually got into an actual strategy that I'm continuing to really go through as I'm on this call right now. What was that? So I went and Googled WordPress podcasts and just applied to anyone that had an application form. And I, I, I didn't, it didn't matter what topic it was. It didn't matter what specialty they were. I, I feel like I, I wasn't doing it for self-promotion. One of the things that I believe in the universe is that if you provide value and you help enough people get what they want, you can have what you want. And just by providing value and helping people and, and sharing your experiences, that, that is generally enough to, to receive some sort of universal reward for that. So I just go and I'd speak on these WordPress podcasts and I'd share my experiences and my trials and tribulations. And, and I'd, get, I'd get my 30 seconds to talk about what, what Groundhog does and that it could help, right? And as I was doing that, people started coming to the website and they started checking it out. And uh, the podcasters would then go to their lists and said, hey, listen, you know, I talked to Adrian, the founder of Groundhog, went to Groundhog, I started getting backlinks. Uh, and then the ball really clicked or the ball dropped or, you know, it clicked when I got on a podcast with a guy named Jonathan Denwood from WP Tonic. And I actually, WP what? Jonathan Denwood from WP Tonic is the podcast. Okay. Uh, and I actually ended up co-hosting with him for, for almost a year, uh, or a little bit over a year actually. And I had a really, really great time doing that with Jonathan. I, I eventually stopped this year, earlier this year to, Cause I just, I just got busy and I'm running a business um, and it's hard to, to kind of juggle someone else's podcast and, and with my business. But doing that, I met Chris Badgett from Lifter LMS. And that's mm -hmm. when he posted in his group of something like almost 9,000 course creators, right. the, the Groundhog Lifter LMS integration. And I got a flood of people coming and saying, does this, does this really work? Does this integration with Lifter LMS work? Because right now I'm using ActiveCampaign and I'm paying money at the Wazoo and I just like to install something on my WordPress website so I can send people reminders to complete their courses. And I'm like, absolutely, here's how you do that. Uh, and that relationship that I built with Chris really spurred the idea of, I just need to go make friends with all of these other WordPress product creators and have them tell their lists that we exist. And I've just been doing that and, and doing the podcast circuit and doing my best to provide value to various audiences. What do, what do you mean by Getting channel partners? Home. You told our producer channel partners are your, your best marketing source, right? What does that mean? So I would consider my channel partners to be these WordPress products 
people and, and the when they integrate when they integrate when they integrate and they say if you want this we now offer the connection got it correct and also we do cross promotions and they share my black friday deal i share their black friday deal uh i feature their courses they feature my product it's it's a very it's a very kind of like collaborative process between a a, a group of us uh, our group of us wordpress product creators now um in addition to that, we also have our certified partner network, which is kind of like our second line channel partners, uh, who are also very pivotal in essentially reselling Groundhog and implementing it for their agency clients. We give them a higher commission fee uh, in exchange for for their. How do you even have enough? Is there enough margin there for you to share with them? Yeah, there's enough. There's enough How margin. Much? So let's say an agency will go to their clients and say. Enough with all these outside services. We, we've installed Groundhog on your site. All you have to do is use this page to send out your email marketing instead of going off to a different site. You charge 40 bucks a month plus a few hundred a year for whatever extra bonuses they have. Even if they keep 100% of that, that's not that much. They must, they must charge more. So there's, there's two, there's two business models. Uh, there's two business models for our agency partners that, that they do based on the kind of client that they have. Uh, either they can use their affiliate link and we give them 20%. Uh, okay. They can use that affiliate link. Their client will go then go make the purchase and, and own their own license. And uh, they'll then do the installation and the service. Or we sell the agency license, which you also mentioned, which we sell for $960 a year. And that comes with uh, the ability to activate it on up to 50 client sites and use it for up to 50 clients. Uh, and then they can either eat that fee entirely or then resell it at whatever markup that they want or incorporate okay. it into the retainer or do whatever really after they that buy the license, like the we answer. don't really mind. That seems like the answer incorporated into the retainer. So the retainer is we're going to charge you whatever a month to maintain your site, maintain your email, make sure that, and don't worry, you don't have to pay for any extra software. We paid for the whole thing, including your, your hosting. As long WordPress. as you pay the retainer, you get, you get right. access to everything. Right? Exactly. And then if you ever want to, you pay us something and we'll transfer, transfer, or don't pay anything. We'll just transfer it over to you if you ever want to manage it, but good luck going to manage those types of things. Yeah. And we make a lot of money uh, based on that, particular model with with agencies who find that very attractive because they want to, you know, I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, own the client, right? If they stop using, if someone stopped using Infusionsoft, that meant they stopped using Formlift. If someone stopped using Groundhog and you were a Groundhog only agency, guess what? You're out of the conversation too. But as an agency reseller who's then, you know, using and, and owning all the licenses now own the customer so that you mitigate that potential loss if for some reason they fell out of love with, with me, which doesn't happen very often, <laughs> that being so said. But that I, is something that they consider. I did in preparation for this interview, go and see some of the uh, interviews that you did. Some of them have just a few hundred people listening or watching on YouTube. Do you get customers from that? Is it significant? I do. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm a small business like many other small businesses out there. there. There are customers that I have who have bigger businesses than I do. And I'm okay with that. And at the small business level where, where we're currently at, and if you if you want me to share my revenue numbers, I'm more than happy to I'm do going that. To, yes. this call. Yeah, why don't you do it now? What is it? Uh, so we're currently doing 25K MRR USD. 25K uh, a month? Yeah. That's more than when we first connected with you. You've grown in, Black Friday in the last was good. few months. Black, Black Friday was good. Black Friday was good. I'll, I'll leave it go. there. Black Friday, Way to we, go. we did... 
and we we have really good MRR um, forecasting now. So because we sell things on a yearly basis, we chop that up into 12 segments and then forecast that over the full 12 months yep. so we can predict revenue uh, and everything. And the previous month revenue was also very good. So we're doing 20, we, we, we're predicted 25K MRR for the next little while if sales hold being so. That's where I'm happy with that. That's a good place to be. After How big is your email list? Uh, my email list is now around 4,000 people. Okay. Yeah. A very, right. but there's, there's, there's also the difference between a very engaged and high quality email list. And my email list is very engaged and very high quality. We don't, we don't keep people on our list for very long who aren't engaged in order to make sure that delivery is is good and all of that fun stuff. So that's, that's how we're trucking along. And even like 400, 500 views, you mentioned, you know, how do we make business from that? People come. And they find us. And if they end up paying $960, you know, that interview was worth it because that means someone else eventually will also find that value and come give me $960. And I'm happy with that. I find at this stage also, it's helpful to keep practicing talking about your product, seeing where people's eyes light up and where they don't. And I've also found... um, when I research someone, I will go back and look for some random thing and find a video that was watched by 150 people where the audio is pathetic, but it has the one thing I need. And so when you leave these breadcrumbs in life, they come back and they help you with somebody down the road needing that one thing that you've just invested into the universe. I think it's it's also a credibility exercise for me. I've been over the last two years trying to build my credibility, not only as someone who creates software, but just as someone who has learned a few things about running a software business in the WordPress economy. Um, and I've applied to several speaking positions at WordCamps, which, you know, I love WordCamp and I love WordPress, but you know, that's, that's not exactly like the most selective process. <laughs> and I got denied for some reason. So uh. obviously, you know, my presence as a WordPress innovator is not there. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'll give you here. feedback on that. I think number one, I do think you should be charging more. (laughs) Number two, I think one of your best skills is communication and your personal brand is non-existent and you're not capitalizing on it. And I think that there should be more people finding you. And frankly, especially while while you're at this young stage, figuring it out, people want to help out. I think there should be like the Adrian Toby podcast or the Adrian Toby something. I absolutely agree, which is why it's in progress. As we speak, someone is What's your plan with it? Uh, so, I mean, at the moment, the plan is brochure website because just to get it started and get Good. something out there to be Googleable and, and be searchable. I mean, if you Google Adrian Toby, though, like I think there's a soccer player who shares the same name and then the rest of it is me. And like you'll find like author pages from websites that I built like four years ago at the agency. Like it's all it's like Adrian Toby, except for that soccer player is basically all me. But I also need my website there, like adriantoby.com. So that's that's what's going there. It's going to have all it. the interviews on it. It's going to have uh, links to all of the written stuff and things that have been said about Groundhog and said about my other organization, said about Formlift. Uh, and mas- basically, it's going to be a brochure website. Adrian Toby podcast may be coming soon after that. We'll see. Um, yeah, some way for people to just see you on a regular basis and be known as the guy who does something, who helps someone with something. You know what I mean? That paid is newsletter, dramatic. maybe. Uh, I, I don't know if the paid, I I think that you could obviously compete with, um, Substack. The problem with competing with Substack, and I saw that ConvertKit is doing that is. I saw that too. Very interesting. Sorry. 
very, I saw, I, I read that too. And I, I, I looked at it and it's actually the, the, the process of it is very sleek. And, and interesting. The pro the thing is that everyone's saying I will compete with Substack by making it cheaper for you to collect money. Nobody who's on Substack right now is going, damn it. They're taking what? 10%. They're taking, they don't care. What they care about is, is anyone going to watch? Am I going to be able to convert people? Will they actually read my my email newsletters and then uh, and then buy more? What they care more about is that's the thing. And so Reaching I just attention. they just came up with their RSS their their Google Reader uh, experience, right? Where you just subscribe to a bunch. I subscribed to as soon as I went to to add myself to their. Um, to their beta program for this RSS reader that just focuses on Substack writers, they said, well, we see all these people or who you're following on Twitter have these Substacks. So I thought, you know what? I don't want to have an empty reader. Let's just hit follow on all of them, the ones that I care. Freaking, I, I go back into my email inbox. I have 48 email. Ever since I switched to Superhuman, I get zero. I mean, like it's all managed. 48 is a lot. I look through, they signed me up to email with every one of them. And in this case, it's frustrating, but I can see that what they're doing is working on how do I get more subscribers. I don't, I don't know that that's the, I don't know that that's the the place to be. I feel like um, we need to find an audience for you that you care about and then that you're obsessed with, and then go after that. Right? I like wholeheartedly agree. I think I think writing content and, and putting it out there for the sake of writing content, and putting it out there is not required or helpful. Right. right. We need a thing. Like the founder of ConvertKit was really big with creators, with bloggers, writers, that whole thing, right? He'd written a few books. His mom was an editor who edited his books, the whole thing. The founder of Drip arguably had better features. He didn't have as big of an audience, he told me, partially because they didn't obsess on this one group. They were for everybody. They were going to be email marketing done right or email, right? And that's the difference. I feel like we need to find that one thing that you're obsessed with, the one group of people, and then you're, you're a damn good speaker. And I'm a little concerned about saying the word damn in hell around you because I use the United Church. I started Googling, who is the United Church? Is that who you're with? The United Church, no, no well, I, I am not partisan to, to any particular- That's Arthur Toby, religious. your grandfather is. Arthur Toby, United Church minister. Um, United Church was is like Baptist, Anglican, and Protestant. They in Canada, it only exists in Canada, doesn't exist in the United States. Oh, okay. uh, basically, the the followings of these three separate organizations were not large enough to sustain themselves in Canada's sparsely populated and widely spread region. Right. Yeah. I mean, when the United Church was founded, the population of Canada was not the forty five million people that it is today. So they said, "Well, we need money." Some of you have money. We don't have any money, but you're going to run out of money if you don't have us. So let's just join together and, you know, let's just agree on some few core concepts. And then, you know, we'll leave the rest up to the various different churches that they want to have. Uh, so that's what the United Churches is basically the, the reformation of all these different sects of, of Christianity saying that we're going to agree to some common underlying principles here. And then we're just going to have a good time and share the wealth, essentially. And did you grow up in that world? No. I did not. Um, I went to church whenever I was with my grandfather and I, you know, I sang and I did the Lord's prayer and, and all of that fun stuff. But my, my dad and my family was not particularly uh, adamant on attending church. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not atheist or anything. I don't think that, you know, the possibility of that existence exists and exists. And I, I'm also very happy to participate in 
in the congressional okay. meeting and, and, and going and being a part of that. I'm just wondering, like, how does a guy end up liking his parents so much that he's working with them, that his mom is still like in his life and supportive like that? Don't get me wrong. I have a good relationship with my parents, but this is like, this is next level stuff, you and your family. It's, it's nice. I like it. I want to know, like, what's the recipe to get that? I think, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I saw with my friend's parents versus my parents looking back on it and sort of reflecting on the relationship that we had is most parents have look on their own childhoods and they remember the big mistakes that they made and the decisions that they would have rather made in order to be at a different point in life. And then when they have children, they obviously want the best thing for them. And then they, they steer that child along the path that they think they should have taken themselves. Yeah. Uh, but the child not, not always necessarily wishes that they had for themselves. And so there's, there's, a, there's a low hidden resentment towards that, which inevitably ends up in, in whoever the child and your you know, parents saying, didn't do that for you. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go do something else. So what did your parents do for you instead? Well, I mean, my dad looked on his child and he was a 20, he was a jazz musician for 22 years. He didn't really have any experience or wish that he would have done anything differently because his experience was so abnormal compared to most. So I, so he was just essentially going through this new life. As I was growing up, he was starting this training company in this digital marketing business. Uh, and he basically just said, Adrian, can you help me with this? Because I you know, can't, pay employees right now. And I just need you to come and set up the booth while I talk to people. And I'm just like, okay, you know, it's like, I'll pay. And also I got paid. That's, that, that's a big thing. I, I was never forced to work for free. I always got paid. Um, there, there should be, there should be reward for hard work. And my parents taught me the value of, of, of pay decent you know, price. I got paid very well. Okay. I'll, I'll, I keep, I'm well for my age, you know, give I me an example like of what you got to buy with the money you made as a kid. I got like a $20 bill and I could go to EB games and I could buy a new video game for like my Xbox. Oh, like that was okay. a good it's not, me. it's not a ton, but it's, it's, you could, oh, you could have made more money working for someone else. Um, I could have, but I mean, I was still like working for someone else. I was like 13, 14, like where would I be working for someone right. else? Right. I, know, I was I making, mean, I was making $8, $6. No, it was, it was really, I think it was $3 and 50 cents actually working at Shio in on 14th street in Manhattan in the basement of a store that my dad sold clothes to. And I was frankly happy to do it. Cause I liked work. Hmm. I, I liked work. I couldn't wait to get a job. I was playing office. Right, and I, I also, think I, I liked going to the trade shows and I liked meeting people and I liked talking to people and I liked learning things. And uh, I, I saw the concept of, of, of entrepreneurship as, as very enticing. And my, my parents never really said, you know, the, the, the belief system for them, go to university, get a good job, save for retirement, right? Like well, many of us, except me, grew up instilled in that and like this is the way that it works and i'm sorry but it just doesn't work like that anymore like i know plenty of people who got graduate degrees uh from university family members that are currently unemployed so yeah you know no the safe route is not safe anymore that sucks man and so that's a belief system that they didn't hold that i never heard and basically the only thing that I was ever asked to do was just help out when, when I could. And then eventually, you know, the, the shoe dropped and it's like, 
Adrian, we need you to come full time and work and like build WordPress websites and do Infusionsoft and we'll give you a salary. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, okay. I, I, I know a few things about this. I get to help people. I, I, uh, I'm doing sort of computer science-y things. It'll be good. I'm fascinated by your business. I got to ask you one more thing. I'm yeah. sorry that um, I, I'm jumping in. One thing that one other, I, I just love your business. I like, I love you. I love your business. I, I've gotten to know you just a little bit through my research. It's not like the two of us have ever met in person, but I'm just digging what you're up to. I'm looking at Groundhog. The other thing that bothers me is, first of all, the price is too low for what you're offering. But number two, the two G's in, in your name, Groundhog with two G's dot, what is it? Dot IO, right? Yeah. I feel like you could do better with Groundhog with one G. That's just the proper spelling dot co, but that's like $10,000. I'm not sure you're ready to spend that much, even though dot co is good. Imagine if you got Groundhog dot AI and now you feed off of this whole artificial intelligence thing, but you got Groundhog with one G. The, the two G's was a requirement for trademarking in here in Canada. Oh, is that right? That's why, that's why we did two G's. You can't, in, in Canada, you can't trademark a real word. You can't trademark a real word for a specific service. So Amazon could not be Amazon in Canada. Uh, It'd have to I be amazon.co or .ca or something. I don't know. My lawyer explained it to me and I just said, okay. Okay. So I'm not, don't, don't quote, don't ask me about specifics or, or how exactly it works, up. but but they said it would be much easier to trademark and you'd spend much less money if you just went with a second G. So I'm like, okay, well, that, that's All what right. we'll do. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be a problem very often. And the whole dot AI thing. Yes. Personally for me, I see is like just, you know, I, I see Temporary. active campaign promoting AI and, and artificial intelligence and, and this stuff. At the end of the day, this is a freaking WordPress plugin. It's not like we have some sort of like smart Alexa doing anything worthwhile on the back end of your WordPress. All right, fair enough. That's just, I'm sorry. Then let's go that, to, let's go to groundhog.co. All right. I, I how, about, how about this? How about feed off of the Notion world? Groundhog.so.so. You know how Notion is now? Notion.so. You see people creating websites using Notion? Uh, I see. I mean, I get people who send me support tickets in Notion. Is what I support when tickets I in Notion? Yeah, they'll like write out their. I mean, because you know the support ticket is like you, you're playing text thing. They want to send like this whole like diary of whatever is yeah. wrong with their website. So they just write out a Notion and then send me the link. And I'm like, okay, but that's, I do that's see what that. I see Notion used for. I see Notion used for so many random things. All right, okay. Here's bottom line, everyone. If you're using WordPress, you want to try different email service provider. You want to see what they've got available for you. Go to Groundhog with two G's io number one. Number two, if you're just curious about it, go to groundhog.io. Uh, number two, I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. First, if you want phenomenal developers, people that I've hired, I've hired from them. Adrian apparently is hired from them too. That's exciting. You should too. Go talk to them. See if it's a good fit at toptal.com slash Mixergy. Again, T-O-P-E-T-A-L.com slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. And finally, if you're hosting a new WordPress site you want, or you want to move your current site to a new hosting company, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Adrian, two of us have been talking for almost two hours. I, you know what? I, I, did, I did an interview yesterday that lasted all of 26 minutes. And there, was, there wasn't enough time to share anything remotely <laughs> valuable in that conversation. So I appreciate the fact that 
we we talked about a lot of interesting stuff and and and, and a lot of the things that that I learned and and I, I got some great feedback from you, which I'm very appreciative. I couldn't stop, which <laughs> which is always an indication of how much I'm passionate about a business. But we did we covered a lot about your pricing, how you started the business. We covered even your dating life, and we covered whether your dad was resentful or not that he had to move from jazz music to WordPress. Apparently, it's a transition, but he's he's handling it really well, and partially he's handling it really well because of all the self-improvement CDs that uh, the three of us have been listening to. All right, Hadrian, thanks so much for being on here. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, right on. Bye, everyone.